I'm just saying. I don't. I, I appreciate the crossover with Deep Space Nine. I like the Yeah, when I first saw perception. this, I was like, what are we in? Is this like a Stargate thing? Oh, no, Deep Space Nine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it, the perspective is from the captain's log, like, what's our outside-in perspective on Deep Space Nine? And it's just like any other mission that, that the Enterprise does. Yeah. and With better sets. Yeah, they were like, yeah, exactly. And like that to me, that's, I feel like, what's missing. I guess like what really kind of drives a lot of the plot of most Star Trek episodes is just what sets they have available at the time. Um, Because it does feel as if, like, there's a lot more environment building and background here. Um, Even the station gets a little bit of characterization. Like, I didn't know they had this suite that they're talking about. Yeah, seeing seeing Picard go into the turbo lift and go ops is just bizarre. It's like something from a mirror universe. (laughs) But, uh... Like, it's the hollow suite. It's the hollow suites at Quarks, which are just the holodecks, but on Deep Space Nine. So I don't know yeah. like, could, what they offer that the Enterprise I guess it's don't. a different program, but I, I like these guys who are like, oh, man, I'm going to sit down. You should really taste this. Like, they're just having, like, this slight, doing some slice, slice of life things in a sci-fi setting. Like, why? Yeah. Why? It's been six seasons. Why haven't we done this already? Like, this would be great. Yeah. And that's one thing I like about this, that we do get slice of life stuff. And George's like, hey, try this. And he's like, oh, replicators aren't bad. DS9's different from TNG. You yeah. guys should check it out. Monday nights. <laughs> Central. You know, DS9's got- not for everybody, but I endorse it. The Warp looks at the camera. <laughs> it's delicious. We got-, we got them dark intrigues. Yeah. Anyway. Right. But like, I like crossovers, but I kind of hate crossovers because of this. Data's like, hey. Someone has unauthorized access. Yeah. And what, Rock is like, well, what damn, about that dude that just there. took my seat? Could I have sent him instead? <laughs> instead of my chief of operations? Or a security off. Or a security guy. Just be like, oh, security, check that out. Oh, tell you what, I like to, uh, hey, uh, Riker to uh, sickbay. Is there anybody fucking in there? Yeah. What are you fucking doing? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, Do I, I got to send off. a security There's... detail because I will definitely send a security. I will accompany a security detail. N- nobody's sick. It's free healthcare. All the doctors are doing communist cults. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're trying to summon Stalin. Oh, well, continue summoning Stalin. I'll just send data to look at the problem. Yeah. So what I love about this is that it kind of almost, you make, it makes you feel kind of like the cowboy culture of DS9 in a sense that the frontier yeah. lifestyle has kind of rubbed off on just Julian Bashir a bit because he's just, he's like, oh man, I've been trying to figure out this thing I ripped out of a spaceship for three weeks now. But the computer I have is garbage, which is also weird. Um, yeah. So he's like, ooh, I can use the one on the Enterprise and just does it. <laughs> he doesn't ask permission. Yeah. He just, he's like, ah, yeah, no, I'm going to just wait until everyone's gone and then just bam, be bop boop and just start, start doing some analysis, baby. And he doesn't go to engineering. That's the other funny thing. He's like, oh, I only know medical yeah. stuff and I know the medical computer is really cool. So I'm going to just take this greasy, old dusty part i don't know anything about i'm gonna bring it into the sterile clean medical bay (laughs) i think it's a medical scanner that weighs 15 pounds yeah i guess it's a ct scanner (laughs) you don't have any fillings do you data (laughs) (laughs) it may or may not have radiated us we don't know yet we're still doing tests uh, but Data's like, oh, man, hey, you can't be here. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, well, I just wanted to figure this thing out. And it's like, oh, we can do that in engineering. We do that kind of stuff all the time in engineering. It's like, you have an engineering bay? <laughs> <laughs> Could you just ask? 
didn't know that. Uh, so it's that fake crossover conflict where yeah. it's like, oh, how do these two characters? Oh, yeah. All right. So. And so. Yeah, this feels tedious. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've never met an information broker. Like, I know, I only know of an information broker in, through the context of fiction. Um, I assume, yeah. you know, maybe they're like in some kind of corporate settings. They're like people who are in the know and they sell like what they know stuff. I don't know. Um, but it seems like this is just, all how how has Worf not gotten like five million information brokers already? Like just like okay, yeah. we, like the uh, well last two last one or two times that we watched TNG, um, like two episodes ago, um, Deanna straight up gets kidnapped by Romulans yeah. and surgically yeah. altered to do some strange shit. When the whole time all you had to do is tell Worf that his dad was involved. It's like, hey, listen, um, I'm information broker and uh, your dad's on this planet. You'll have to kill, I don't know, a whole bunch of security guards um, and destroy this uh, generator for reasons. But yeah, after that, <laughs> he should be behind the generator explosion. Yeah. <laughs> and he would just do it. Yeah. He would just go. <laughs> I mean, he, he does angst about it a bit. I just, I don't know if information broker is like a real job. Yeah. I feel like Worf should be like, an information broker. What is your real job? He's like, oh, I sell fake drugs. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, okay. All right. You're, I'm you're a pretty con successful man. information broker. Yeah, <laughs> it's a right, fancy way of saying con man. <laughs> so I just, uh, I just don't buy it. Yeah. Like, I, whatever. I don't, I don't. The older I get, the more I don't know how... Like, I love the concept of an information broker. I love the notion yeah. that there's a society that believes knowledge is power, which is not the case. <laughs> it's like, oh no, maybe we one time believed that knowledge is power, but now we just realize that we can get people to believe whatever we want. We just got to spin it. So marketing is power. Yeah, right. So but the deal is, like, what are the economics of that? Right. And it's like, I don't know. But especially considering Jaglum Shrek is so bad at negotiating... <laughs> He's like, oh, uh, hey, uh, so anyway, I've got some news about your dad. I'm an information broker, but I have no idea what it means for a Cleon. Yeah, uh, like knows nothing. For of a Cleon, Cleon to be captured and then you tell his son <laughs> that he was captured. He'll take that good. Yeah. People love their dads, right? Knows nothing of And even, even humans are like 50-50 on that. Humans are like, oh, you know where my dad is? Fuck that maybe dude. He was like, no, no, no. Maybe he was at the information broker guild and was like, uh, and like he's just not popular. And they're like, ooh, dude, you know what we should do? We should tell uh, Jackal Shrek about the whole uh, Moog because uh, he he knows Jackal about Klingons and he'll get in so much trouble. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah let's do that. Let's ooh, let's put a tracker on him too so we can like uh, record all the dumb shit he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's do that. I, I'm super curious as to whose idea it was for them to negotiate this in a dark corner where a Klingon could kill a dude with no one seeing <laughs> it and then probably hide the body for a while. Yeah, like. At least have enough time to stroll right back onto the Enterprise D and claim diplomatic immunity <laughs> yeah. before anybody fucking finds it. Or if it's like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a fucking dad's Cleon culture prisoners. Yeah, diplomatic immunity. Right. That face that he like, makes. What are we going to do, Pajon? That face that he makes when he walks away is just like, oh, no, no. Like, it's just such a weird face. Yeah. Um. Oh, so here's our C-plot where Deanna Troy's ass is glued to that chair. <laughs> well, I think it's hilarious is that you know, in like in the world that is written, 
Worf should be able to tear Riker in half like a phone book. <laughs> but because this is like a neoliberal military bullshit, Riker's like, ooh, man, that bear, that bear that's sitting in my security station um, that looks barely restrained with anger, I should go poke it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just Starfleet tradition. <laughs> He wouldn't I mean, be doing his duty if he didn't poke right. the alien. And pro- I mean, props to Worf for like saying, like, all right, man, I, I look, I gotta I gotta bounce. Look, um, I'm gonna say it, it's a nice ass. It's, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, that is Father of all Cleons. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. already been bloodied. <laughs> we we have we have uh, Alexander's blood on that thing, so it's uh it's Kalas. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he's doing, I don't know what he's doing here, but I, I felt, I felt as if like any kind of Klingon martial art would have, would be a bit more rigorous, less kind of a Tai Chi vibe, more of a, I don't know, Tai Bo vibe. It's, it's about discipline, you know? Oh, okay. And then he breaks the table, which is great because Troy has had almost this exact same scene with Kalar. Yeah. Uh, Worf's baby mama. Yeah. So, uh, I'm sorry, Worf's late baby mama. <laughs> yeah, no, come on, be respectful, man. Um, okay, yeah. that's a dope line. Like, come on. Like, that's... Anyone would... I mean, I'm not saying it's an excuse. It's not an excuse to not give line to Deanna Troy. But that's a really good line. <laughs> <laughs> so, which one was that? There's a uh, oh, when he, yeah, when he goes to the table, do something wrong. It's so good. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I forgot I forgot about the scene where she actually gets something. Yeah, and then, she, and, then, yeah and then she's like, hey, you want to talk about what's bothering you? Or you want to just break some more furniture? <laughs> it's like, damn, girl. <laughs> Not, but but I mean, like we, you've mentioned this before. They have a rapport, right? Like he's gone to counseling for with Alexander being a single parent, so yeah. and she's an empath, so she knew that he's like. It's kind of I imagine it's like, um, you know, you're just chilling out on the bridge, and all of a sudden, like someone like walks in, heavy metal music blaring. You're like, all right, mm-hmm. uh, we need to get we need to get the the volume turned down on that stuff because I can't think straight. <laughs> She she is sometimes telepathic with Riker, so all I can imagine is her going, "You should do it, Will." And was like, "No, I'm not going to do it." She's like, "You should totally do it." <laughs> He's like, "Do it. Don't be a pussy, man. Go for Worf, it." Worf, 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 where's my schedule, Worf? Where's my schedule, Worf? Schedule. <laughs> and she's like, "I didn't think you'd do it." He's like, "I did it." <laughs> yeah, it's a, like they have their own like personal DM chat <laughs> of telepathy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn, look at the big bad so balls anyway. on Riker. <laughs> you know yeah, it. so like, Worf's conflict is if he goes to find his dad and his dad's alive, then his entire family is dishonored forever. Yeah, really. Uh, even Alexander. And it's like, Alexander can dishonor himself, Worf. You don't yeah. need to watch well, out. Well, isn't that. Worf exiled at this point? Like, isn't he still an exile? Um, no, he's back. He, he in the oh, Civil oh, War, yeah, he fought yeah, in the Civil right, War, yeah. so he got all his titles and lands and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Worf has like a whole Cleon house that he ostensibly runs, <laughs> yeah. but uh, never. <laughs> yeah, does just never shows before, up, so. does anything. Yeah, yeah. We assume his brother Kern runs most of it. Yeah, that and, the, anyway. and that would make sense. Um, he's like the yeah. the one in I guess the base standing. But the weird thing about it to me is that he fought a civil war and saw like. A whole bunch of top Klingons not acting honorably. <laughs> like, yeah. so I feel like he has every reason to be like, yeah, no, that whole honor bit is just a bunch of balls. Like, it doesn't even make any sense. Um, it's why doesn't he do that? Like, it makes the most sense to just say, oh, you know what? I'm going to 
honor is going to be just as important to me as I want it to be. Like, and no more. Like, I'm not going to do it based off of what I think Klingon culture is. I'm going to do it based on what I think it is. He, I think he does, and it's a pretty high bar yeah. for his personal. Well, bar. yeah, I just, um, I guess in my mind, I think that he established that bar from the culture, and he's like, hey, maybe just tone it down a bit, cut yourself some slack. But I mean, he still holds himself to the ideal, which is an admirable thing. Yeah. If sometimes slightly self-defeating. This is kind of like uh, a, you know, kind of sad brains that we get from data here. He's like, oh man, wow. Yeah. You sound so generally interested in like me as a person. Um, nobody does that. <laughs> they only, they only look at the value that I can add to their department or their medical degree or whatever. He's like, yeah. Oh, well, I think you're really fascinating. I'm sorry, data. <laughs> yeah. It's all the ways that he is like a biological organism that would fascinate a medical person, which makes sense. Yeah. I like um, how we're about to turn on like this it. like medical thing we know nothing about and Data just stands in front of the port that looks like a gun barrel. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> look, you can't see it from this angle, but there's tape on the floor. Okay, there. That's where he's yeah. got to stand. That's his mark. Okay? okay. It's where the tape is. Yeah. like every, I, yeah, I, Even like Bashir is probably a little bit closer than he should be. Um, oh, yeah, he is. And they kind of show that. Yeah. Um, but like, there's an aperture where it can project plasma. Yeah. Also, they're gonna tap into the warp core. It's like, oh, that's great. Let's yeah. tap directly into the warp core. That's good. Fifty percent warp power. Fifty percent strength. That's our power distribution. I mean, today. we're docked. It's gonna like, be fine. <laughs> yeah, we can go sixty forty alien device if we have to. <laughs> we just, hey, you know what? I, I bet you I can, give you, I can give you five minutes of just straight hundred percent. You want that? <laughs> I could get you five minutes of full power. Let's do it. What's the worst thing that happens? Our android <laughs> achieves a new level of consciousness? Yeah. I mean, um, we don't know. So, you know, one of the things, you know, spoilers, we learned about this is that Noonien Sung, you know, buried like different states of consciousness in Data. We don't know how many. This could just be like gate one of nine. <laughs> Which is bullshit. But we'll get to it. Yeah. like Data's I, yeah. having a vision. Yeah. I, it's great. Picard would be like, uh... Mr. LaForge, if you did something with the warp core, all of our cameras are in fish eye lens. Ah, yeah. Yeah, alien device, plasma, data, yeah. visions. This is uh, so yeah, weird because okay. I completely forgot Noonien's song was Brent Spiner. Um, I yeah. was like, oh, no, he's just an old guy. Or, oh, wait a minute. Okay, now it's coming back. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's him. I like I like data reflexively going to protect his... Dude, you're harshing my buzz, circuitry. man. Like, I was... I was in the thing, and you just brought me out of it. Like, no one likes a buzzkill. Yeah. Like, just FYI, listeners. Yeah. And again, it's a little thing, but it it frustrates me. Where Data's like, hey, look, I remember during that point in time. And Jordy turns to him, and he's like, hey, buddy, you were completely shut down. Like, well, he wasn't completely shut down. His higher functions were disabled. Yeah. He shouldn't have any sensory inputs or anything. He wasn't shut down. Shut down means dead. Yeah. If you shut one of us down... We're dead. Yeah. And that's the um, weird thing, too, is that there are these scenes sometimes when Jordy kind of like mansplains Data's body to Data, even though Data demonstrates more than one occasion that he has like full, well, like 99% control over all, everything that's in his body. Like he knows it, he regulates it, all that kind of stuff. So it's really weird that Jordy could like contribute anything to Data's body that Data doesn't already know. I mean, it seems like he's aware of it. He's got an internal diagnostic, which makes me scared. Yeah. If I had to run Windows Troubleshooter every time, <laughs> like, I had an elbow, my elbow was tight, I'd be like, oof, buddy. I, it says it's okay. It can't, oh, can't find the problem in my elbow? All right. Yeah. I, w- I mean, 
obviously data isn't running windows but yeah. still like, yeah i like how skeptical. jordy's like you know you know maybe you had some bad gas maybe you know gas can make you hallucinate it's like, you know happens to me sometimes yeah he's like what are you eating jordy so, yeah i just uh i think it's an interesting idea though that data can hallucinate yeah, and I, li- I like that Julian jumps in. He's like, hey, man, you want some unsolicited... Oh, no, actually, he doesn't even do that. Um, I-, I-, I like how he ties in the whole hallucination dream thing. He's like, well, listen, most machines can't grow hair, and you grow hair. Like, And I thought he was what he was kind of going with this is like, hey, listen, Noonien Song is a human, and while you look at yourself as an android... Because earlier he made the notion of like, he made the statement that it's like, oh, wow, I think it's fascinating that Noonien Song made you to be as human-like as possible. Even though like him yeah. breathing is like a coolant system, he can regulate his hair follicles for whatever reasons. Um, and so like, he, but he wanted to do that for something. And I think it was because he wanted like, a, he wanted Data to be somewhat of a culture fit for humans. And right. like right. that... Yeah, so then if you take that premise, when Jillian says, well, hey, man, maybe you're thinking about this too much like an android. Like, if you're made to be like a human, maybe maybe you're made to dream. Maybe you're made to hallucinate. Like, don't don't discount it. Yeah, which is interesting. And so we get a good little scene here where Data is like, ah, I want to go up to war. <laughs> I, I, I went through everyone's he, medical he, logs and you're you besides I can't find Diana and you're the only one that's ever had a hallucination. <laughs> I um. Like, I, I assume they talked about this before casually, that he's like, you know, like it's come up before. It gives this implication not only that we're doing slice of life stuff now, yeah. but the slice of life stuff has come up before. Yeah. You know, they're they're dealing with hallucination monsters. And Worf was like, I want to hallucinate. <laughs> and like, I will yeah, no, only hallucinate if I can do it in the middle of battle. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a B story, though. No satisfying payoff. So it didn't become an episode. Right. But yeah, it happened. Yeah. It's one of the many non-dramatic things the ship has to deal with. <laughs> right. Like... If we just see the stuff that makes a minimally satisfying story, there's got to be twice as so much garbage that just it, doesn't make it's the It's interesting to me right here is what he talks about is, is that when he first said that's a powerful vision because Data says, oh, I saw my father Nguyen and Sung. And he said, that's a powerful yeah. vision. Um, I thought it was just like some bullshit writing. Um, but then he goes in. He's like, no, listen, you have to understand when you do like the the whatever ritual that I have my hallucination in, when you see your father, that is super important because – what you learn about your what you learn about your father through your vision is what you're learning about yourself and that's also like him kind of like talking to himself in a way so this has, yeah. this works on a couple of levels here and i like it a lot it's just really really good it's a solid bridge between our a and b plus right. and it doesn't fit perfectly and data calls it out organically and it's just great it's a great little scene yeah yeah he's um, like oh yeah well yeah maybe not all of those things but keep going <laughs> get high again if you gotta take another hit take another hit <laughs> yeah and that that gives Worf's change in uh yeah he, yeah, he well. yeah he realizes what he's got to do because he told data he gave data the advice which is good even the bit where data goes up to Worf is like ah i probably shouldn't yeah because data's not physically afraid of Worf. data's not emotionally afraid of yeah Worf. data's just like maybe just Worf just well wants to be alone that's now. the thing that frustrates so much that stuff will happen and be like i'm not human hey, i'm like dude Riker on the bridge didn't <laughs> realize like not even 20 minutes earlier Riker on the bridge didn't realize not to piss off Worf, and you just did it on like a more subtle level like how are you not human data <laughs> explain to <Yeah>. me <laughs> which is another issue i kind of have with this episode but that even the part where Worf is like hey 
I know I'm like super max brooding right now, but what do you got, dude? What do you got? Bring it in. Yeah. Um, it's just a great scene. Yeah. Uh, that I wish we had more of, and we rarely ever see those two characters interact. So it was good to see them interact. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's good to see Worf give us our humanistic perspective. I again. Data's going to talk to Picard about this, which is yeah, super frustrating because yeah. Deanna is right there yeah. <laughs> with like a literal degree in culture and psychology <laughs> I, and a lot I of have... implied drug use. Yeah, but uh, archaeology is my passion. <laughs> um, I, I like mean, how he just threatens them in open air and like people are all below <laughs> like watching. Like you see that they're like, oh man, he's really pissed off Worf. Um, and I yeah. like how he's like, he tries to negotiate. He's like, dangerous. Sorry, man. You're going to show me. He's like, okay, fine. Uh, but you're going to pay me up front. He's like, no, <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> I like if you let some go and drag him truck. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go see the cops now. I hope you can fight a shapeshifter. Hope you can dangle a shapeshifter off his balcony <laughs> effectively, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Also I mean, like we- just straight up in public, like Starfleet officer, I will kill you if you're lying to me. Yeah, that's not really becoming of the uniform morph. Yeah. Uh, but it works, I guess. Jaglum Shrek is terrible at negotiating. He's wearing We his... should say he negotiates with Cleons yeah, without a knife just, on him. He's just not very good at... Yeah, he's not good at negotiating at all. The The Information Brokers Guild is just um, not too proud of Jaglum Shrek right now. <laughs> I just... I was just, Worf was like, I, all right, we can do this in like 48 hours, right? I just swap shifts. I got to be back for Monday morning. Yeah. But like, I love how Worf is like just always down a clown when it comes to like secret op stuff. He's like, all right, what? Oh, oh, we got to infiltrate somewhere. One second. Let me grab my bag. That's right off camera. All right. I'm good. Let's go. <laughs> it's a tactile neck, Derek. It's a tactile neck. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> is it black or is it 14 different shades of black? <laughs> Each with their own <laughs> distinct use. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, Jaglum Shrek here seems like a minor character. He's really one-dimensional. But he's played by James Cromwell, who shows up two more times. Who's already showed up once in Star Trek. Okay. Um, you won't remember him, but there's the one where they had the super veteran who, like, you know, escapes from the Enterprise. Oh, was he like the, was it, he like the escape artist dude? He wasn't the escape artist dude. He was the government bureaucrat who wanted to keep all of the escape artist dudes on the moon. Oh, uh, okay. Um, okay. I think I, think yeah, I remember like really somewhat minor part. Of, he had a mustache. Some of that episode, but yeah. Yeah. But he's killing this character. He's way overcast. But Jaglum Shrek was supposed to have another scene where like he had family in a prison camp or something. Oh, okay. So it's like he's actually has a more empathetic approach to this. And he's not just some, some really bad information. Broker. Yeah. I don't even really know what an information broker does. Like we talked a little bit about it in the pre-roll, but I just, I, the older I get, the more I don't really understand the like fictional job of an information broker. Cause it really just doesn't, I don't see any parallel in my regular life. Also, what the fuck? You weren't wearing this jacket before. You were. I thought we could get a whole episode without you in this damn jacket, but here we are. It's cold in my office. I have to put a jacket on and also a different shirt underneath it. Control the temperatures on Luke. (laughs) Use the thermostat. (laughs) You know what? I do want to learn more about Bajoran water management. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. We rarely ever get so many like in media, like in mission res sort of uh stories from from star trek We're like oh no this is the boring work that we do every day we're doing you know bajoran aqueduct management talking to bureaucrats doing water and i was like oh it's so boring give me more of it yeah um, i mean yeah and like I, I mean yeah it would even i'd even take like a few like 
you know, seconds of that, that meeting where he's like, oh, one second. Yes, we're about to go on break data. What is it? <laughs> yeah, like one movie, one movie does that. And it is my favorite TNG movie, Fight Me Nerds. And <laughs> I just love it. I just love it. Yeah. So anyway, Picard's like, oh, t- Picard has some archaeology knowledge, I guess. Yeah. Um, also, so like, like Picard, I feel like yeah. there was an episode where, and I can't remember exactly, but I feel like there was an episode where he was like, oh, the culture of the many outweighs the culture of the one. And now he's telling Data, like, yeah, but you're a culture of the one. That's no less valued than a culture of one billion. And I'm like, I feel like you sent someone to death <laughs> as a result of that. Was it like a big, big space thing? Me, me. I can't remember. <laughs> The exocomps, where Data says the exocomps are sentient. Oh, yeah, that might and be least, it. I guess. Uh, so I think it was Riker that wanted to send them to their death. But, like, I, I, want, to, I want to say we've done this culture of one thing for Data as well, too. And I'm happy to reiterate it. It's important. Yeah. You know, Data is a culture of one. And it's a valid culture. Yeah, well, I mean, and um, even then, you know, I feel like the real, the real kind of... I like how he talks about inspiration and, and really kind of what he's saying is, hey, listen, you're looking outward to all these other ways people use hammers or whatever, but like, yeah. look inward. Like, what, why do you give a shit? Why do you, Data, give a shit about a hammer? Um, yeah. And that's good. Yeah. And I really like this. Uh, we don't, I feel like we don't get to see enough art being made in Star Trek. I mean, yeah, it's like. Yeah. Original art, yeah, like speed speed painting will fuck you up because it'll make you feel like um, a very long process can be done in a, in a lot shorter time. Um, and he's yeah. about to just like ambidextrously paint like a billion paintings, but um, it's yeah. still I, I like it. I like that he's like not only that it's in this kind of ca- it's couched in this notion of oh man I'm I'm a robot letting myself be inspired. I've never tried that before. Yeah. I like that Brent. Like obviously, they just sped up the footage. Yeah. But I like that Brent Spiner didn't blink for it. Yeah. So like, it's just a little, a little detail. Yeah, and he uh, he kind of had like those like those beginnings and endings of a smile, like very subtle smiles throughout the process. I think. Yeah. Right. So, oh uh, look, it's a jungle or whatever. Yeah. I, honestly, I didn't expect Dragon to be down here. I thought he was like, all right, man, you're gonna go yeah. do your like special ops thing. I'm gonna go like chill out on the uh, ship. See you later. Um, yeah, needle snakes, man, needle snakes. <laughs> yeah, just watch out for the needle snakes. All right, I'm out. Yeah, um, but he just so, gives them, I guess, some directions, and he's like, "All right, listen, I'm not going to be back here in the same location. So here's another thing." Yeah, and we we just don't see the the extra bits to Jaglum Shrek that explain why he's so invested in this, despite being threatened with violence to do it because yeah. he's going above and beyond i think i mean yeah um, as far as like information brokers are concerned i would say so like you know i would yeah. imagine he'd want his money and then bounce and I, in I mean, my it, mind i guess it makes sense like hey i have a vested interest in you surviving because like you're my conduit to money even though like star trek is post scarcity and um, they don't like have cash they don't get paid in cash i guess <laughs> so i don't know exactly yeah. what he's gonna get paid with but you know Something, I guess. Uh, the Federation has some kind of currency, and they, they deal with outsiders, so there must be some sort of monetary exchange. And he is like a Cleon prince or whatever, um, so I don't doubt that. But uh, it also, in terms of Jaglum Shrek going above and beyond as an information broker, it does continue Star Trek's long tradition of, this could have been an email. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, definitely. He's like, would you like to know where your father is? He's not six feet in the ground. 
Um, I do. I guess <laughs> like worst checking his name was like I'm a Nigerian prince. I'm a Nigerian prince. <laughs> You're a Nigerian prince. All right. What's up, Jaglam Shrek at Yeah. Uh, com. Yeah. yeah. So. And so this is this is interesting. And I assumed he was still super far away because he hasn't gotten to this canyon yet. He's still in the jungle, TM. Um, but he yeah. just straight up sees like a Klingon female bathing. I'm like, okay. So <sighs> if if this is supposed to be like an escapee, like, okay, fine. But she is like they eventually talk with each other and she is chill. She's like, what? I'm not, Yeah. I'm, I'm chilling at my home. I'm taking a bath. Like, why are you peeping on me? Isn't that weird? And it's like, yeah, that is weird. I feel like there's other ways we could have constructed this. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Like maybe, I don't know, just like a whole bunch of clowns playing basketball or something like, oh wow, they're kind of far away to be playing basketball or just a sport, any sport. Yeah. Or golf. It'd be hilarious if there was a fairway <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, they were just super mad. Like some Klingon yeah. broke into the she, Klingons clubs or something. They were arguing about it. And she's got the 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 funny hat, the plaid vest, the puffy pants. Yeah, she's the dealy bops on the end. She's like, oh, right into the woods. <laughs> and she's like, oh, what are you, it's, another Klingon? It's Worf in the head. Yeah, and so Worf like abandoned his whole notion of like, oh, I'm gonna find my dad. He's like, I'm gonna save you all. And like, yeah. Who? This uh, dude. I mean, you're making a lot of promises, man. We don't even know what's going yeah. on. And then but he reve- you're gonna... yeah, he reveals himself like when he goes hide again. He's like, just it's really important you don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who you two, are, dude. <laughs> two things, fella: basic math and age <laughs> uh, estimation. Yeah. Like, figure it out. Two. Um, what do you think is going to happen to that dishonor bus whenever it gets <laughs> yeah. basically on border? Yeah. You check your papers, give you a sticker with a smiley face on it. Yeah. You think that's going to happen more? <laughs> or you think Cleon Intrigues are going to make that bus explode? <laughs> yeah, so um, I totally, like, I like, uh, well, I guess we'll get, we'll get to that later. Um, so I'll save it then. But yeah, I, I really do like a lot of these paintings. Like, some of these paintings are really cool. Um, yeah. And I, I like the, uh, especially like the the hand and i think there's a later one with like yeah the one with the anvil is really cool yeah these could all be fine magic cards yeah and so you know i mean this is kind of like data's like what i love is we're not just producing art data like has developed an artistic process he's like yeah yeah um like I talked to a whole bunch of people and they said a whole bunch of bullshit, but then Picard said, be inspired. And I was like, Oh man, that's it. <laughs> and so I just started yeah. painting stuff and he, he tells he takes you through like the list and why he painted them. And it's just really good. Right. And it shows a thought process with internally generated images. Yeah. I like this one a lot. That data's. Yeah. Um, you know, data's, Making connections between disparate things that don't necessarily have a logical... Yeah, and like he does, um, like this early on, he's like, yeah, you know, Union Song was doing a thing, so I painted Union Song, and I painted the corridors in, and then the anvil he was banging on. And this is kind of like artistic exploration. Like, you know, when you want to get more out of something, you try to start putting that something in different kind of contexts. And yeah, then like we get to this point where, like you say, he was... He's like, yeah, I don't know why I gave a crap about this bucket, but I painted it because of reasons, I guess. Yeah, I um, I don't like this plot, by the way. Like, this is maybe the one of the better parts of this plot. 
but I don't like the idea that there's a sensor in Data's brain that goes, oh, he's more advanced now. I, my father, will then teach him how to do something like more human now. And he gets hit with a random shot of plasma and that opens it ahead of time? It's like, what, is Data not advanced enough? Well, I think, and it's just like, I think the, I think it isn't about whether or not he had the vision. It's that, like, probably the first instance of the vision was supposed to be just like that random blacksmith thing in the hall. But then later on, like, he had to explore the vision in order to get the rest of it. And he would only do that if he, like, knew enough about humans to know, like, that they dream or have visions or hallucinate or whatever. Um, that was my read on it anyway. Um, but it is kind of weird, too, that, like, he isn't... He was like, oh, so you're dreaming now, Data. Like, is he? <laughs> like, he's just, like... He just has a different circuit in his head that he's using. I don't know if that's really dreaming or not. I just... I would have been much happier. Again, the inciting incident is a random plasma shock yeah. instead of whatever organic development. <laughs> organic. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, he's about to get another hit for sure. Yeah. That organic so, development. <laughs> also, I, th- I think we missed it, but props to Bashir for being, I think, the first person to call him a synthetic life form. Oh, yeah? yeah. I, thought, uh, yeah. I thought someone might have done that before. Okay. Uh, I mean, we did it. We did it oh, like, all the time. Yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> Um. Oh, it's that of an android. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or a machine or whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so I just feel like it would be cool if there's an episode where Data like starts getting bored with things. Where, like they explain, oh yeah, no, Data learns how to do things better and better all the time. Yeah. So like whatever his his spec is for performance is like, yep, it's better than it was last time. You're always getting better, Data. Yeah. And he's like, that's how my positronic brain works. It, it makes these connections between different things and makes me better at stuff. But then, like, he starts getting bored with stuff. Yeah. And he's like, I wasn't even consciously aware that I was doing that. Yeah. And then it's like he starts imagining things happening. Where, like, he's on watch or something. He's like, boop, 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 boop. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I thought we were doing a thing. And he's like, no, we were doing a thing. He's like, oh, I thought we might be doing a thing. Yeah. And then, like, they're like, Data, you're losing your mind. What the fuck is up with your mind, Data? Yeah. And then at the end, they're like... Oh, your your brain is generating your, analogous yeah, data your to reprioritize your connections. Daydreaming would have been a lot more interesting. I agree. Yeah. And eventually it's like, no, I have to shut down for a few hours a day and let my thoughts process because like Dr. Soon built it in that eventually I would progress to the point where I would need to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be, then, yeah, that would be very interesting for sure. Yeah. And it's a little more like, or maybe even it's like, you know, Dr. Sue never expected for me to last this long without him being around. Yeah. How do I, how do I solve this problem? Yeah. And he solves it himself using kind of what he knows of human biology. Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, this episode made me wonder why isn't data doing more cybernetic stuff? Like he does make a kid. Yeah. Like just one off. (laughs) He does make a whole astronaut. (laughs) (laughs) He just one off makes a kid, but it's like, you know, Julian Bashir will later say, like, hey, man, uh, can I write an article about this in, you know, the Journal of Cybernetics? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And it's like, why aren't you doing cybernetic stuff, Data? <laughs> like, you're, yeah. you're, you're constantly talking about wanting to be human. Why aren't you studying yourself in that regard to learn more about how to become human? Like, you have to know where you are to know where you're going, right? Yeah, I just... <laughs> um. It would be great if he studied medicine. He's like, 
The only way in which my study of medicine can advance is if I'm allowed to take apart Bruce Maddox's brain. <laughs> yeah. What if he just started like he started starkly. like going full Hannibal Lecter or something? He's like, all right, I'm performing surgery and just starts like like taking people's pancreases out without them asking and starts you know like doing experiments with them and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever, whatever. Uh, Data's having dreams and he's kind of being handheld through it by Doctor Soon. Yeah. Um, because we're trying to continue our father theme of this episode. Yeah. Uh, Data's very literal about stuff. Yeah. And Dr. Soon cannot give a straight answer with his fucking hammer pants and house thing. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I like it. I, I think it's it's interesting. I definitely think it could have been written better, for sure. It doesn't really track the whole, oh, hidden circuits and I can dream now. Um, but I do like the notion that Data learns about dreaming, Um and yeah. I, I'd be fine with like a, I don't know, You're maybe being racist against your own kid. <laughs> he's already, he's already surpassed his original programming. You dink. Yeah, yeah. Shut up. You said that already. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. But I mean, this right. is cool, you know. So we have like a, yeah. you know, a, a synthetic life form that can dream, um, which is good. It, it does still, it still is a little humany, you know, where it's like oh life only should look the way human life is but i mean i get it we only know yeah. what human life looks like so that's fine um but he's like hey do you know why you were drawing those birds when you were high because you're the bird <laughs> <laughs> and he's like whoa i'm the bird man in like the space of life yo yeah it is it is a nice sequence though where it's like it it Literally represents Data's liberation from, I guess, having a more structuralist, as he puts it, perspective on things to being able to conceive of um, different things, original ideas. Yeah. Um, and this is a whole, like, if you live on the Enterprise, you might have dreams about flying outside of it. So it's a pretty cool idea. Yeah. For a dream. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That would make sense. Um, I wonder if, like, maybe folks have dreams about, like, swimming outside of submarines or something. Yeah, yeah, I um, you know, I I don't like some of the premises of this episode, but they they delivered on it well. Um, yeah, and so like yeah, you know, just you know, he does his he does his hallucinogenics in a safe space with friends watching over him, which is always a good idea. Um, you know, and then yeah. like he's talking about <laughs> it uh, with uh, Julian, and this is just great. I like that. You know, Julian just didn't drop his interest on the ground. He's like still like, oh man, that's interesting. You're gonna be dreaming now. That's wild. Yeah. So that's good. I it's a good wrap up. We didn't just forget Julian halfway through from a cheap crossover or right. anything like that. He's here in the, the wrap up. Yeah, because you see sometimes in those crossovers we're like, Hey fans, look, the new guy and the old guy, huh? Huh? Yeah. And then that's it. That's the whole scene. And <laughs> and like that definitely so. could have been this, but I mean they have kind of a catharsis to like Data's episode. Julia was involved in it almost every step of the way. So that's good. Maybe the Journal of Cybernetics is just Data's blog. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe that was him legit asking, like, "Hey, can I write an article for your blog?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so my first read whatever. on this scenario, like this, um, I guess camp, quote unquote, uh, is a less slave camp and a lot more like Romulan Klingon cooperative commune thing. Um, are these just a whole bunch of hippies that 
don't want to live in their respective societies, and so they decided to live together. They'll 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 explain it as we go. And I just want to say this is the worst run prison camp uh, <laughs> since Colonel Clink. It's it's not good. Okay, like come on, man. This guy just climbs over a wall. Yeah, like only two guys on patrol, and they're just like just casually like chilling out. No guard tower at yeah. all. Like there's no like no high, guard tower. Yeah. High above thing. I mean, but, even electronic guard tower would be fine. Like no security cameras at all. And then like. You, you get to this hey. point where he finds, like, the rest of the Klingons, and they're just, like, chilling. Like, they're just hey, chilling Rovac, singing uh, and stuff. For, for this patrol, you want to check behind the cover stones? What, behind the cover stones? Nah, I don't want to check behind the cover stones. Someone could be behind <laughs> the cover stones. I mean, that's what they're for. Nah, they're for wanna. cover, man. <laughs> Literally for cover. <laughs> Worst guards. Yeah, and so this is kind of neat. I like seeing Klingons doing Klingon stuff that isn't in kind of like this overtly brutalistic, you know, darkened red environment. Like this is, you know, it's got a nice kind of like, hey, we're just out here in like a plaza or on a fire doing stuff. And um, I like it. It's it's more Anyway, organic, I got to go I inside. I, f- I forgot my Enya CD. I'll be right back. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no, man. It really sets the mood. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, lots of people letting Worf get them into dark corridors in this episode. Not not a good idea, fellas. You should always ask yourself here in the Star Trek universe, is Worf going to get me in this dark corridor? Yeah. Uh, we're like yeah. two for two right now. Yeah, yeah. He's, and and he, he will be as many as he wants. Worf, can, Worf and dark corridors are a special, there's a special place. And so he's like, yeah, yeah no, uh, your dad fell in Kittimer. And it's like, oh, well, did he survive? He was lucky. Okay. I mean, you didn't answer my Worf questions like, directly. I am assuming he's still dead. Um, and that information <laughs> broker is totally going to get ripped a new a-hole. And Worf is like, all right, so my honor's intact. Well, time to bounce. <laughs> or I guess I could dishonor all of you. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Just he's like, all right, I'm just going to hop over back over this wall. Man, this took a lot less time than I thought it would. Yeah, just boop, boop, boop. And then right before he leaves, he's like, ah, shit, I told that girl I was going to liberate them all. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's like, look, uh, look, Worf, don't, don't liberate us. We're cool here. You're going to dishonor all of us. Look, it would be better, Worf, for you to murder everyone in this prison camp. <laughs> yeah. They'd all go to Stovacor. I mean, according uh, to the text of Klingon Honor Code... That seems accurate. <laughs> like, shouldn't there be like a dude is like, hey, if you ever find a group of uh, Klingons living in dishonor, murder them to regain their honor back and their children's honor yeah. and their children's children's honor. It's like, Worf, you wanted to die just a little while ago because your wake stopped working. Right. I mean, just, you know, you'd suck it up and you got your legs back or whatever. But like, maybe just murder these yeah. dudes. And, yeah. they'd, they'd love it. It'd be fun. And it just still throws me. Like, he just saw all these high-up Klingons acting with dishonor, and he still, like, holds honor as such this important thing that uh, he literally has to, like... Like, he's learned... It's almost like he's learned nothing from Starfleet at all. And it's like... The... Come on, man. Of course you did. Hey, he's trying to liberate these prisoners and dishonor everyone <laughs> because it's the nice thing to do. What do you mean he hasn't learned anything? Well, we he's don't know what he's to trying to himself. do. I mean, like, he, you know, he was he was going to say, like, hey, what about my dad? He's like, you can't be here. And he's like, what do you mean? He doesn't know. You got to leave. He's like, oh, no, he can't leave. No, he's going to tell people. He's like, wait, what? It's literally not too late for him to leave. You could have said, hey, Worf, I like, leave now. I like he's like, fine. you realize you're all old, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I can, no, ta- is- I can take another 50 of you. <laughs> 
It's like Worf, son of Moog. Like, honestly, yeah, there aren't enough Cleons in this camp. You said 73. Unless you were lowballing. <laughs> yeah. I think I could take you guys. Well, yeah, unless you want to add another times 10 to that, uh, I'm good. <laughs> I, I can take you all out. Yeah. So there we go. We're up. There's, they got guns, though, so oh. all bets are off. Yeah. Worf is captured. The great equalizer. They dreamy. Yeah. Like, yeah, your rich and fantastic warrior culture is defeated by pew pews. Pew pew. There you go. Yeah, bam. Yep. Didn't think about that, did you? Where's your gun? Yeah, you don't have one. <laughs> Look at this dumb dumb brought a brought a battle to a gunfight. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we were captured. It was worse than death. <laughs> they have casual Fridays here, Wolf. You don't know the pain. Yeah. Sorry, it, I, I'm watching my phone. It rolled right into the next episode. Yeah, that's right. Um, needless to say, Worf continues talking for a long time. It's a drama series, guys. Yeah, what do you want? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, final thoughts, Birthright Part 1. Um, I thought that uh, this was good. I mean, I think in, in tradition of TNG, uh, the Part 1s are usually solid uh, to my thinking. And, um, yeah, I'm just... Well, I, I believe Part 2 is in the cards for us, Uh and, uh, you know, I'm just yeah. looking looking forward to see how they're going to screw it up. Because, of course, they will. Um, <laughs> That's harsh. Every they, every they... part, every time we have a part one and part two, two is objectively worse. <laughs> like, we can go back and watch them if you want. I, I'll, I'll tear them down bit by bit. But S- Saying that the best of both worlds part two is worse than the best of both worlds part one is accurate. But I think it's selling the second part a little, a little <laughs> short. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, that's true. Anyway. All right. I have no idea what the B-plot is in part two. I don't remember and I haven't watched it yet. So we're going to find out next week. So. All right. Until then. Remember, remember Rand. Rand.